Trump at least floated the idea yesterday of playing golf with Kim Jong-un, which wow. I don't know how I feel about that. Guy is one of the most evil people on earth. You play golf with the guy to, to, to get him to not have nuclear weapons? To so get can... a deal to save humanity. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And from what I hear, he's just an ace on the course, too. Trump is going to have a hard time competing with like the 18 strokes that he finishes courses yeah. in. As well, they, that was his dad, I believe, who as they pointed uh, out, 18 consecutive holes in one. As they pointed out in the New York Post, the competition competition may be stiff, however, as Kim's father, Kim Jong-il, allegedly scored 11 holes in one during a round of golf in 1994. That's really oh, good. it was 11. 11 yeah. out of 18. Yeah. Well, you know, some days you just, your swing is just absolutely on, <laughs> and you ride it, you know? You know, it's it's funny until you until you understand why dictators do that, and the whole point of that is, anybody laugh? Anybody act like I didn't? Anybody dispute that? Anybody looking at me like they think I shouldn't say stuff like that? You and, and the you next look, two generations going to be worked to death, tortured uh, uh, in a camp. You so. look around the room and anybody goes, Shh, or whatever, or anything like Eleven. that. Eleven? I'm going to kill you. Eleven. And that's the message to the other people. Next right. time I say something, you go along with it. Right. That's what that message is. Yeah, that's, that's, that something? That, that's some harsh, mm-hmm. harsh, harsh stuff. That's why you do that sort of thing. little perspective there. Yeah, I'd say so. It takes the fun out of the 11 holes in one. Uh, do you have the right stuff to be a stool donor? I have that story coming up. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, You I, can I, actually make some pretty good money at it. We all want to give, don't we? We all want to be givers. I don't give a crap. Well, you're no good here then. And did James Comey, Jim Comey, leader of the FBI, actually defy authority and... Uh, and get himself into big trouble, as the um, IG report that came out yesterday, or leaked out yesterday says. I don't know. That story I thought was going to be the big story today, and it has disappeared. So yeah, uh, I saw it on ABC. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So by a whopping 25-point margin, voters say they're more likely to back a congressional candidate who promises to serve a check as a check on Donald Trump, uh, as opposed to a supporter, according to a new national poll from NBC and Wall Street Journal. What was the percentage? 25-point uh, margin. Uh, uh, apparently, those two eminent news organizations don't understand that we don't uh, elect congressmen nationally. So a national number is utterly meaningless. Could be every single one of those people is in a single district in, say, the San Francisco Bay Area. You know? Right. Um, but... Uh, as we get on to issues, it, it, it starts to be a little more significant to me anyway. Um, six in ten are satisfied with the U.S. economy. And a plurality of voters give Trump credit for the economic improvement. Despite that economic optimism, however, the polls show that Democrats enjoy a 10-point advantage on congressional preference, with 50% of registered voters wanting a Democratic-controlled Congress versus 40% who want a GOP-controlled one. Yeah, I you know I'm all for saying that on the air, but uh, I just I can't, I can't follow that sort of stuff. It it sickens me um, as a way to look at the world. You've already had a rough enough week. I hate um, to sicken you. The uh, the sixty percent of people think the economy is good. Is that what you said? Uh, yes, are, are, six in ten are satisfied with the U.S. economy. Got it. And what percentage of those would be if Trump wasn't president? So I mean, it might be right. another twenty percent. Right. You can't give him credit for anything. Yeah. In some circles. Uh, you know, 
Of course, every president, quote unquote, enjoys that. There are sure. plenty of folks who wouldn't give Obama credit for anything. Sure. Oh, were, yeah. but, but, but on the other hand, the mainstream media wouldn't uh, give him any uh, criticism for anything. So that balanced out. Here to me is a, a great example um, last week when we had economic numbers coming out um, of uh, not giving you the whole story and, and, and how you can spin things in different ways just by leaving parts of the story out. Both of these things are true, but you rarely heard them together when the economic numbers came out. 250,000 jobs created and unemployment at the lowest it's been in in decades, lowest ever for blacks or whatever. But that was like the 54th straight month of job growth, mm-hmm. which obviously goes way back into the Obama administration. Yeah, You really ought to have those numbers together, so it's not just, see how great Trump is doing or well, yeah, you'd wish we had a media that would give us a little perspective on it, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And 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 you know, then you got to go all the way back to the crash, and to what extent was the Bush administration at fault there? Sure. How did the the trillion dollar uh, what do you the stimulus go? How are those shovel ready jobs? The rest of it. There's plenty for everyone to love and hate. Presidents regularly get saddled with or get the benefit of their previous their predecessor's economy. Happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so who's got a high level of interest in the midterms? This might uh, be a portent for turnout, Jack. 63% of Democrats say they have a high level of interest. It's only 47% of Republicans. Hmm. Independents, 44% of them. Uh, let's see. Uh, are you like 9 or 10 on a 10-point scale of interest? 63% of Democrats say, yeah, I am. Just 40%, uh, 47% of Republicans. Uh, the only other stuff I found interesting about this poll was um, Trump's job approval rating rose to 44% among registered voters. That's uh, re-electing material, what? isn't it? 44%? How is Among that? registered voters. How, how is that not a headline? That is huge. It's it's buried in this story. That's unbelievable. The headline is poll. Economic satisfaction under Trump isn't helping his party's 2018 chances. Which I suppose the poll does kind of indicate a, that. But. A lot of people, and certainly everybody uh, on the D side of politics, believe Trump is a failure on every level. And one of the most disliked presidents, the most disliked president we've ever had. Mm. It's got a 44% approval rating. That's that absolutely is, re-electing territory. That's up 4% from April. But, Jack, that 44% matches the pathetic approval ratings for Ronald Reagan, who was not re-elected, and Barack Obama, who similarly were sent to one-term purgatory. Um, although both presidents, I'm you know, being sarcastic, obviously, both got re-elected handily, but both presidents saw their parties lose a significant number of half seats in the midterms. Yes, which blah, blah, blah. Th- that's what drives me crazy about this whole story. That's the most common thing to happen. It's not something new or exciting or means something huge. That's what normally happens. Right. That's the that's the course of events. The Washington Post has got a big headline this morning, actually saying uh, "Blue Wave Unlikely." That would be huge news. Right. That would be unprecedented. That would be something to talk about. If the Dems take back the House, yeah, that's what normally happens. Barack Obama was hugely popular. People loved him. And the Republicans took the House. I mean, that's just the way it works. So uh, judging, and I'm asking everybody, judging by what you've observed in uh, on cable news, newspapers, whatever, wherever you get your news, what is the number one midterm issue that people care about? They want their congressperson to do something about. They're thinking about it. It's going to drive them to the polls. Number one issue. 
obviously, the Mueller investigation, Trump, Russia, Cohen, Manafort. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not. It's not even there. It's not even on. It's, it's completely insignificant. It's health care. It's like we really? were saying the other day. It's what actually affects your life. Well, how is That's that, what people care about. How do news organizations pull what's most important to people, come up with an answer, and then talk about something else? Because they suck. Because they're bad. They're bad at their jobs. They're unwise people. They all go to the cocktail parties. They're all lefties, except for those that aren't. Um, <laughs> it, and, and it's what they're interested in because they're desperate to bring Trump down. And I get it. He's a pain in the ass. That's but what people though. care about is their bills, their jobs, their their mortgage, and the fact that they're being just absolutely decimated financially by health care costs. But nobody's talking about that. And I'm not hearing them talk about it in a substantive way on Capitol Hill either. It, which is because they're all they got the the pinch collars on their necks put there by the health lobbyists. Hey, back to uh, uh, Reagan and Obama had similar numbers. Trump's at forty four percent. One thing that Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama had going for them is that there weren't Donald Trump. <laughs> the likelihood of Ronald Reagan or Barack Obama doing something just insane or something really crazy happening was very low. Yes. Very, very low. Right, right. But in terms of the midterm election, see, that's the weird thing about Trump is he spends he's every single day trying to figure out how to enrage the news media. Yeah, and, oh, and oh, not oh, not just enraged, excite, just get keep, lots and lots of coverage. Yeah, keep them busy. That's right. Giuliani's job. Uh, there was a, a guy on um, Brian Williams' show last night on MSNBC. He said one thing people need to remember is Trump has hired some of the best lawyers out there. Remember, he tried he hired whoever Clinton had. I think oh, yeah, so, boys de- dealing Wasn't with uh, uh, impeachment issues. Trump has some of the best lawyers that exist on the planet for dealing with this stuff. They're they're the ones that are doing the legal work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Giuliani's out there doing a TV show for everybody right. and acting like a fool. And some people think, oh, my God, his law team's out of control. No, the real serious lawyers who are really, really good are doing the legal stuff behind the, behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. That, that will make the difference. Yeah, well, yeah. I just wish they'd figure all that stuff out and... and- you know, do something about, as I said, the issues people actually care about. So, yeah, I saw one headline. So you're saying they're not as high on the idea of the Dems taking back the House, which is yeah. what's supposed to happen. Right. I mean, that would be a huge defeat for Democrats if they don't take back the House. That would be unbelievable. So Trump won all this fire and fury. and, and, and <laughs> That's a pretty funny, frankly, power. pretty funny phrase to use. Um and and the Republicans keep the House, that would be unbelievable. And then there was this um, uh, editorial in the New York Times today. Democrats did well on election night. The left didn't. How the Bernie wing of the party didn't do that well, whereas establishment candidates did pretty well. So mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the, the fire for the, uh, the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren wing might not be... Enough people. Well, how many times have you heard that that's where all the energy is in the yeah. party? That might be where the energy. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's true. I've just said the media is completely full of crap, and I heard that from them. But that's enough of that, Michael. Yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of more stats from the poll about impeachment and the Russia probe. Well, we'll hit those in a couple of minutes. But more importantly, you want to make a little extra money. You could drive for Uber, or you could donate your stool samples. Do you have what it takes to be a stool donor? There mm. are requirements. Mm. There's money to be made, my friend. Well, you talk about work I was born to do. Wow. I'm a natural. It's a sickener. <laughs>
There's a lot of people trying to get into it because it's, it's like about 30 bucks. About 30 bucks per sample. Well, I've been told I'm full of it more than more than once, so I'm a natural. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Seen all the movie stars in their fancy cars and their limousines. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. We're doing all New York themed songs because we're broadcasting from New York City uh, today in a fabulous studio, which I assume if we had a window would give us a great view of something. And we have a great view of another studio in here. Isn't it grand? Uh, my kids really want a picture of the Statue of Liberty, so I got to make a trip over to get a picture of that somehow. Maybe uh, find a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> I took this picture. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Uh, I do want to talk more about the homeless situation a little bit later because I think it, it's damned interesting. I mean, I, I would like the politicians of San Diego, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, all to explain why there are few, so few homeless people in New York compared to their cities. What's your explanation for that? Right. Well, and Chicago's uh, really improved, too, in the last 20, 30 years. Um, Meanwhile, the population of the, uh, the, the homeless population in the western cities is exploding. Right. Do you have what it takes to be a stool donor? There's money to be made. <laughs> Pay for stool donations? I love it. It's like a rebate on my meals out, says this texture. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever heard. That's clever. <laughs> well played. Um, yeah, well, I came across this, and uh, it's, a, it's a thing, apparently. Uh, I believe we've had it in the news before. There's, there's, they, do, they do stool tra- fecal matter transplants right. to give you different gut bacteria. Jack, you've got to stop looking at yourself as a single organism. Do You're, I have to? What, what yes. happens if I don't? Stop it! You're a biome. Your son was singing about biomes the other day. Yep. You're an environment. You're a jungle, sir. You have millions of, of beasts living within you. You've got to have the balance right. And if you don't, I guess the new thing is they take um, healthier fecal matter from another person and put it in you. Put it right up you. That's right. Fantastic. That's right. Welcome to your new home. <laughs> um, what drives people to be stool donors? Well, altruism. Altruism. Certainly. That's, that's, being, that's what motivates me. That's being nice to other people for just for the sake of being nice. Right. And a little financial incentive. I see people care. who desperately need my dung, and I think, how can I not help them? The money, the money's nice, but that's not what I'm about. Want it's it, crap. the sign says. It's crap. It's crap. Yeah. Uh, that, that was my audition. This is actually <laughs> a, They're very nice, Michael. Cash register. This is a serious scientific conversation. Fecal matter from healthy adults with a regular constitution and a good heart. That'd be me. I think. Uh, that's what they want. Screening is rigorous because they won't just take anybody's poo. Reimbursement is decent. It says here modest, but it's uh, it's 15 to $30 per stool sample, depending that's, on where you are. That's like being paid for walking out my front door. Well, I, I was going to do that anyway. Right. I don't know about you, but currently my return on investment is not that good. I'm not, I'm not getting exactly. really anything for it Exactly. Now. It's like being paid to breathe. <laughs> I, it's an involuntary uh, mechanism, if I remember my biology correctly. So I, 
It's like being paid to have your heart beat. Jack, where'd you get the Benzy? Huh? I think, well, it's a f- funny story for you. <laughs> I found a side hustle. <laughs> well, it's more a bottom hustle. Ah, ha, ha. Oh, geez. Yeah, sorry. Uh, that was but, beneath me, which is saying something. But it's working well and helping a lot of people, and they're, they're having trouble finding enough people to do the donations. That's one of the reasons they are paying $30 per sample. Um, cause a lot of people are turned off by the collection process. You got to collect it, you know, keep it around until you get it to the, to the drop off place or whatever. And not everybody wants to keep a stool sample in the fridge. And I then- save mine anyway, just to keep an eye on it. Oprah told me a number of years ago, I had a look behind me and I, I've just taken the extra step cataloged cross uh, referenced. Uh, but they got a guy here who, uh, donates like three times per week. And uh, mm. makes himself another extra, you know, 90 bucks a week. And and uh, the receivers are, are happy for it. So there you go. How much do they need, though? An uh, S-load. Uh, <laughs> wow. This well, is degenerating. You know, well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I didn't know you could poop wooden nickels, but you certainly can. You practically can. <laughs> well, I, do they need, like, 10 more people nationwide or, or like, a million? They need a lot, yeah. yeah wow. They're, they're way. This wow. is kind of a new thing. So there you mm. go. Um, I hope that if, if any of you get into that and start doing that regularly, you should uh, email us or text us because I like to hear that it's going. Boy, it's probably just the travel and the weird stuff I've been eating and everything in the hours. But uh, I may need a, I may need to be on the receiving end. My stomach isn't so good. Travel. Ugh. And Judy and I were at this uh, this place across from the hotel last night watching the end uh, Warriors Cavs and having a glass of wine. And we're both kind of hungry. And so they had... <sighs> They had a, a, a menu of food that wasn't quite bar crap. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Cheese sticks, potato skins, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like a grade or two up, but it was still essentially bar crap. And boy, did we wolf down a bunch of that. Mm. We were Not good for you. We were talking earlier about, um, uh, well, we're in New York City to talk at this uh, talk radio convention um, to other people in the industry and heavyweights and that sort of stuff. And we're on a panel about getting younger listeners to listen to AM talk. My, my answer to that is you can't, but, uh, <laughs> give up. <laughs> but we, we have, and uh, so that's one of the reasons we're speaking, but we got a couple of texts on that. I'm a 23 year old native New Jerseyan working in Manhattan, been listening since 2007. Wow. So you're right down the street from us, my brother. Yes. Next or time, sister. next time you're in New York, we need to do some kind of East Coast elite listener hangout. There are dozens of us. Dozens. Wow. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, but that's true. Yeah, we could do a, a thing. Um, the the reason people walk fast in New York, this other texter said, is they have somewhere to be. We have somewhere to be and something to do, and we value our business time much more pe- than people in other places. Okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe you put a higher priority on. I don't know. Some don't know. would suggest you know uh, people who take a more laid back approach to life are, yeah. are better off balance wise. <laughs> that yeah. phrase "I value my business time" actually made my heart hurt a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's because yeah. you're a slacker doofus. Yeah, absolutely. Sean. I mean, no offense. Well, there's a balance with all this sort of stuff, right? Walk real fast, have a heart attack, work a lot of hours is not exactly necessarily what I want to Leave do. your mark on the world, son. There you go. You're just going to wander around <laughs> with your toes in the sand, gazing out at the Pacific like some sort of idiot. That sounded pretty pleasant. <laughs> that sounded pretty pleasant. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Inspector General's report calling out former FBI director for handling of the Hillary email investigation. And Samantha B upgrades her apology. Yeah, this Comey story is pretty interesting. I'm surprised it's not getting more attention. We'll get to it coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
the Staten Island Ferry, someone said, if I want to see the Statue of Liberty. Oh, I got a story about the Staten Island Ferry. First time I ever came to New York City. Mm, Chilling. uh, Is it chilling? I was taking a little nap on the bench. I was very tired, you see. Taking a nap. (laughs) And and a a policeman uh, banged his baton on the wooden bench I was sleeping on. Bang! Boom! Boom! While I was sound asleep. Scared the crap out of me. I'm not hearing a lot of compassion there. Probably $60 worth. And he said, no sleeping on the ferry. Wow. I thought, okay. My first time in the big city. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll not sleep here anymore, I promise you. See, my first time I came to New York, I didn't get a, uh, a hotel room because I was going to land at like midnight. And I thought, well, it's a city that never sleeps. I've been hearing this my whole life. I'm sure. just going to stay up all night long. I thought that would be easy, like Vegas. Boy, you were a younger man then. And, uh, yeah. And uh, and so I closed down a bar at four. But then they were, I walked out of the bar. There was nothing going on anywhere. Everything. Mm. There's nothing. The city naps, apparently, the, around the, 4 a.m. This city appears to be asleep. <laughs> so I went and got on the Staten Island Ferry at like 5 just to have some place to be and fell asleep as I was I was tired from closing down the bar at 4 o'clock, you see. Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. The Justice Department's Inspector General Michael Horowitz has reportedly concluded the former FBI Director James Comey defied authority. ABC News reporting a draft report from the department's internal watchdog described Comey's behavior as insubordinate, ignoring objections from the Justice Department about the way he was handling the release of information about the Hillary Clinton email investigation. ABC's Pierre Thomas. Sources telling ABC News that drafted a new report chastises Comey for holding that dramatic press conference to announce Hillary Clinton should not be prosecuted in the email scandal and not telling his bosses at the Justice Department what he was going to do. And he also criticized, sources say, for telling Congress that he was reopening the Clinton email probe only 11 days before the election. The uh, supervisors at the Justice Department, including, of course, the wildly partisan, unwise and probably corrupt Loretta Lynch, uh, who had recused herself because of the incredibly ill-advised hobnobbing with Bill on the tarmac episode, so, yeah, I don't. I, I might be insubordinate, too, in that situation, but I'd like to see more of that report. But it's it's another example of uh, uh, Jim Comey. And I read another review of uh, Comey's book the other day and in one of your big newspapers by a normally left-leaning uh, uh, writer. But Comey has got this view of what's right and wrong, and he alone determines what's right and wrong. Right. And he does it, you know, he makes his decisions at any given moment. And and he, I mean, he he is among the most self righteous people I've ever come across in 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 literature or real life. Yeah, he on a moment by moment basis decides what should be done: legal, illegal, advised, against policy, for whatever. Good idea, bad idea, conventional, non conventional. He just moment by moment decides, and he is the lone person to decide whether it's the right thing to do at that moment. And then he sits with that, you know, that straight back of his head and his chin in the air, right. and explains why I did the right thing for my country. <laughs> I was just going to say, he's almost cartoonishly self righteous. Yeah. He's Dudley Do Rightish, for those who remember that fine Canadian cartoon. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, I was speeding, but I had to speed for the good of the American people because some of the cars were going slow. (laughs) A wreck could have started, so I did the right thing. And I am confident that I have nothing to apologize for. All right. For my friends on the left, hell yeah, Jeff Sessions is a right-leaning attorney general and political. And so is John Ashcroft. And they all are. I wish... 
I wish there were a level above them. Of course, that would be the permanent bureaucracy that isn't so partisan. But yeah, the idea that the Department of Justice is uh, high-minded and independent and the rest of it, I mean, they try a little bit, but it's not really true. Russian President Vladimir Putin is uh, holding one of his marathon TV uh, talk shows again today. People call in from all over Russia, ask him questions. Well, Baba today, Bowie, Baba Bowie. Well, today, <laughs> today, Putin, you'll end up with a belly full of polonium. You do a Baba Bowie on hey, Putin. Uh, uh, does Howard Stern's penis interfere with the American election? Click. <laughs> uh, Putin warning that a large-scale global war would lead to the end of civilization. To caller asked Putin whether economic sanctions could set off World War III. Putin quoted Albert Einstein saying he didn't know what weapons would be used in World War III, but that World War IV would be fought with sticks and stones. That's an interesting thing for uh, quote. the guy with the second biggest nuclear arsenal in the world to say. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear him say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the apology tour, Samantha B out there again apologizing for using the C-word last week, referring to Ivanka Trump. The comedian saying on full frontal was Samantha B. A lot of people were offended and angry that I used an epithet to describe the president's daughter and advisor last week. It is a word I have used on the show many times, hoping to reclaim it. This time, I used it as an insult. I crossed the line, I regret it, and I do apologize for that. I want this show to be challenging, and I want it to be honest, but I never intended it to hurt anyone except Ted Cruz. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah, I, uh, I cannot, as I so often do, ride around on my high horse. Uh, decrying false outrage, feigned outrage, whipped up outrage, and, and get outraged, that sort of thing. It's a stupid thing to say, and, and based on a fallacy, and, and I was more offended by feckless than the C word for Ivana, Ivanka. Uh, I'm only offended by the, she used in a picture of Ivana kissing her kid yeah. as something to be angry about regarding the immigration situation. That's what's uncool. That's just stupid. Yeah, that's the only part I find offensive. Kevin Durant stole the show with a playoff career-high 43 points. The Warriors rallying to beat the Cavaliers 110-102 to in See, that's game just three. not fair. You can't have one of your Hall of Famers having an off night so the other Hall of Famer has his best game ever. I mean, one of your other three Hall of probably four Hall of Famers. That's just not fair, including your Hall of Fame coach. Durant drilled a dagger three from 33 feet out with less than 50 seconds left as Golden State grabbed their three-zip lead in the best-of-seven series. After the game, LeBron James was talking about Durant's last-minute shot. You definitely tip your head. I mean, he's, that's what he does. He's a scorer. Um, you know, he's an assassin, and uh, that, was, that was one of those assassin plays right there. Cleveland's- I liked how he made that shot, which is just ridiculous. I mean, it was so far out. It was yeah. in Steph Curry territory. And he makes it, and he turns around, and he... Uh, and he walks back up the court with the, I'm bad. Oh, yeah, I'm bad. Look, yeah, I'm bad. Just stone-faced. Steph Curry jumping up and down and dancing. And Durant's just, I'm bad. Oh, yeah, I'm bad. <laughs> LeBron James plays with a bunch of guys that if they want to go to the Hall of Fame, they're going to pay the same ticket price as you <laughs> your eye. <laughs> right. Cleveland's going to try to avoid a sweep at home on Friday. Next I'm year- telling you, LeVon, LeVon, LeBron has got to go to the Warriors. And they see if they can go undefeated. That'd be that'd be something. Eighty-two and zero, sweep, sweep, sweep. Give them the rank. I would, <laughs> I would love that as an NBA fan. I think that would be fascinating to watch. 
There oh, yeah, go. how could you not watch? the Like from the 60th, well, hell, from the 35th game of the year on, the, the nation would be watching, even if you don't like basketball. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. That's a joke, by the way. Oh, the conscience of the nation? Yeah, well, that's meant to be over the top. Like, ridiculously so. Right? It's oh, like or Colbert... It, or is it? It's like Colbert used to do at the beginning of his show, standing there with the flag waving behind him. He wasn't doing that seriously. You get it? Or was he? <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out David Cassidy didn't have dementia. Yeah. Among other things. Uh, I've got a lot of great stories. The problem is... We're in a studio in New York City, if you're just tuning in. My microphone is here. And the computer's over here. The computer's way over there. (laughs) And I'm not sure what to do about it. But I got a lot of good stuff. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's over here. (laughs) Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Holly came from Miami, FLA. Hitchhiked away across USA. Plucked her eyebrows on the way. Shaved her legs and then he was a she. She says, hey, babe. Hey, babe. Take a walk on the wild side. We're in New York City doing all New York songs today. What the color girls do? They started singing do, 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 do. Welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Of course, that's an anachronism. That's, uh, that song was uh, done at a time when colored would have been an appropriate term. It is not now. And uh, I apologize, and I don't think Lou Reed should be played on the radio anymore because of that term. Um, so welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Coming up in a little bit, we're going to talk to um, a Washington Post reporter. So do you remember that story? We had diplomats in Cuba that their brains weren't working right and they were feeling sick and everything like that. They think because of these weird sounds that were being piped in from somewhere by someone. Described as like sonic attacks or something like that? Yeah, a sonic attack, they think. Still have no idea who was behind it. And, uh, well, the same thing is happening in China now to U.S. diplomats. And what the hell is going on? So we'll talk to a reporter about that coming up. Uh, What was the other story? Oh, I want to do this. Among other things. Um, I don't know if you know who Nicholas Kristof is. He is a columnist for the New York Times. Um, Sounds like a Ruski to me. See a Ruski? And he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lefty, and he's uh, written some just some crazy over-the-top, hair-on-fire, America's-coming-to-an-end Trump columns in the last uh, year and a half, as so many columnists have. But he's one of those people. But he said in today's New York Times... The Dems are more concerned with undermining Trump than reaching a North Korean deal, which I appreciate him, him calling them out. You know, that's funny. Van Jones said some really strong stuff the other day about uh, Democrats standing in the way of prison reform just because they don't want to give the Republicans a victory. That's crazy. They, see, that's what you don't want to be as a partisan. I don't care which side you're on, but don't get in the way of something that you want because somebody that's on the other side is going to get credit for it. That's being a bad person. I would agree. Be a, be policy-focused, not human or party-focused, all right? Yeah. 
It's just it's just weak. But anyway, um, this is the Washington Examiner's version of a New York Times story. Liberal New York Times columnist Nicholas Kristof said Democratic congressional leaders are acting as partisan spoilers in the Trump administration overtures to North Korea. In a column today, Kristof said President Trump deserves credit for engaging with North Korea, uh, but that Democrats are attempting to derail the negotiations out of spite. Shock, horror, President Trump is actually doing something right, wrote Kristof in the New York Times. He's been very skeptical, skeptical of Trump. <laughs> He's one of those, the, the, the country is crumbling. Let's just figure out how to band together and somehow survive this awful period of time we're living in. Right. He writes those columns all the time, but he right. said, sadly, Democrats in Congress are, are responding in a Trumpian way. They seem to be more concerned with undermining him than supporting a peace process with North Korea. So, yeah. Well, listen, uh, Trump is unquestionably a wild man. He's colorful. He's different. He's out of control. He's obnoxious. He's under different descriptors. But the idea that he cannot, will not, and couldn't possibly ever do anything right. How stupid and childish is that? Well, same thing happened with Obama. Exactly. uh, How how could it possibly be that a guy of Obama's intellect, I think he's wrong about virtually everything, but how could it possibly be that he could never get anything right? That's just crazy. And what does that say about the people who voted for him? It's it's profoundly insulting to suggest that. It just so happens that the butthurt half of America this time around is... Is Trump voters, but yeah, cut it out, everybody. It looks like Rodman is not going to be accompanying the Trump team to uh, Singapore for the North Korea talks, which happen next week, and man, that's going to be quite the spectacle. I was just about to read an editorial that was pointing out how valuable he could be. Really? Oh, yeah. Our friend Siraj Hashmi of the uh, Washington Examiner is writing, here's why it's a, a good idea that Dennis Rodman is going to Trump's summit. I laughed when I first heard it, but after I thought about it for 30 seconds, it's not a terrible idea. He's met the guy. He's been there five times. He knows the guy maybe better than any American. Right, right. And listen, this is, it's kind of vague. He's a crazy person. Well, right. He was married to Carmen Electra and dated Madonna. I don't know why I threw that in. So both Fat Kim and Fat Trump can look at each other and say, well, he's crazy, but he's not as crazy as Dennis Rodman. So they look sane next to him. I think that's valuable. Well, plus, honestly, he knows both of them. And this is very vague and, and kind of uh, you know, in the air, uh, ethereal. But if you have that sort of, let me introduce you to, comfort level in a really high-stakes meeting like that, it helps. You're not total strangers. One of the three Hall of Famers on Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls team at the time. LeBron doesn't have that sort of help if you're in the LeBron versus Jordan battle. you got to play for a better front office. I'm hearing a lot of boo-hoo. I'm hearing a lot of excuses over there. That's what I'm hearing. Get a better team, LeBron! Rodman being in the country at the same time as the summit could be a distraction and could ultimately help Trump with Kim Jong-un to... Said one high-level diplomatic source. Don't you just worry mostly, though, that, I mean, if he's in, in the room, you worry about him saying something crazy that derails the whole thing, right? I think they both just kind of chuckle. <laughs> I've, I've, anyway. I've, read, I've read pieces by people I like and respect who know Dennis Rodman, and they say he's got a beautiful spirit. He's, I don't doubt that. He's very childlike. He could show up crazy drunk, though, and say something nutso. Right, but what happens oh, when you... How about this? How's your wife? Is she fucking your ass every day? Really? Really? Ask the wife. People around the world. So well, then Trump and Kim would look at each other like, 
Uh, I don't know what he said. I speak English, and I don't know what he said. <laughs> right. And, and then he'd say, oh, I'll be right back. And he'd go out the room, and, and Trump would say, that's Dennis being Dennis. The translator would uh, translate it. <laughs> Kim would laugh because he knows. <laughs> so this high-level diplomatic source said, and I quote, no matter what you might think about his presence, one thing's for sure, the ratings will be huge. Oh, no doubt. A lot of times in situations that involve complex diplomacy, uh, countries uh, identify ambassadors of goodwill to help ease tensions. And whether you agree with it or not, Dennis fits that bill. But he's not going, apparently. That's the, the headline. I was trying to think of what would have been an equivalent. It's just like when uh, Reagan went to Reykjavik to meet Gorbachev and discuss nuclear... Proliferation with evil Knievel at his side. Or, I don't know. <laughs> David Copperfield. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Early 80s. Who? <laughs> I don't know who it would be. No, that was a sting. No, he's, be... he's rational. So, that's right. So it has to be a celebrity and completely Fruit Loops. Oh. Well, that wasn't really a thing up until fairly recently. <laughs> you couldn't be a celebrity and be completely crazy. Right. You'd, nobody would work with you. Right. Yeah. Well, let's you wouldn't leave. be celebrated. Now right. we celebrate people that are completely crazy and living lives that no one should live. Now we celebrate those people. It's like back to the days of, you know, people going to mental institutions to look at the crazy people. It's very sad. <laughs> Although it's, you know, Dennis can feed himself now. Uh, Kim is uh, has sworn he's a friend for life to Dennis Rodman. Kim Jong-un. So who is launching these sonic attacks on our diplomats around the world? And what is a sonic attack? What are they even doing? I have a theory that may at first blush sound crackpotist and alarmist. But I'm telling you, it's realist. I hope we're retaliating in some way against someone. Well, yeah, I have theories. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Guess what? He don't want war. That's one thing he don't want. He said in the past that he would destroy the United States. Well... 